Hello everyone, my name is Beryl and welcome to my podcast, Creative Force. If this is your first time listening, it is good to have you with us. For everyone else, I'd like to welcome you back. I'm here to bring you creative people in all genres of art, crafts, culture, and and information about topics of interest. All of these things begin with the force of creativity. If you enjoy listening to Creative Force, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We're here today with five fabulous artists who are part of the Fulton Art Fair Incorporation. Let me give the names of the artists who are here with us today. And that is David Wilson, Alethea Sapp Jimenez, Valerie Williams, Larry Weeks, and uh, Gloria Braxton. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Hello. I'm very happy Thank to have you. you here today in the studio. So, Larry, will you give us a little insight as to what the show's theme was and anything else that we would like to know before we begin our discussion? Well, the, the title of the show is The More Things Change, The More They Stay the Same. And if you listen to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On and you hear the subject matter that's, that's depicted in that, and a lot of that is still going on today. And so we asked the artist to make commentary about the past and, and how these same social and economic things are still happening today. So things really haven't changed, although some of us are in a better economic position and social position, but there's still a lot of negative things that have not changed. With Marvin Gaye, do you want to give us just a little bit, for people who may not be familiar with his work, some of the lyrics of what they may see uh, in the um, in the art that's being represented? And if you can't think of it, anyone else can just chime in. Well, we, we, we challenge the artists to make commentary. So some of the artists have depicted uh, acts of police violence, and we certainly know that that's still happening today, um, how uh, uh, hatred is still going on today, how um, the violence is still being perpetrated against the African-American community. Thank you. So if let's start with, um, with David. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'd like to ask you, David, is um, how long have you been working as an artist and what is your background? I am originally from the Caribbean. I'm originally from the Caribbean island of uh, the Commonwealth of Dominica, not the Dominican Republic. I always have to make that mm-hmm. because so many people have never heard of Dominica. It's a small island located between the... Um, the two French provinces, um, Guadeloupe and Martinique. Okay. We became independent in 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, we speak English, English and French Creole. Uh, I've been painting for 45 years. Mm. And um, at the moment, I have a collection of over 500 paintings. Wow. The largest, mm. the largest of which is 9 feet by 16 feet. And what is, what is the medium? I started painting with oils. Um, in fact, I started painting with house paint. Okay, with what? 90, uh, regular um, latex paint. Okay. I didn't even know how to use a brush. Outdoor paint. Outdoor paint. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and one day I noticed a gentleman 
in fact, I used to use matchsticks. Then my brother, who was living in the United States, came home and saw me painting with latex, regular latex paint, mm -hmm. and he bought me regular artist paint. Oh, like acrylic, oil, oil acrylic paint, oil, oil, oil. Okay. Um, I still couldn't use. I didn't know how to use a brush. So one day I saw a gentleman from another island in the street, right in front of my aunt's home, painting. Mm -hmm. I observed him for about an hour. I wow. went to the store, the pharmacy. Yes. Bought some brushes and I started painting. How old were you then? Mm, 1973. I was approaching 20. 20, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and um, did you have any formal art training at all never to this a, date? Never took a course in art. Because okay. when I was 10 years old, my father asked me what I wanted to be. And I, I made the mistake of telling him I wanted to be an artist. And all hell broke loose in that house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it happened here in New York City, too. No, 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 in, the, in Dominica. <laughs> I'm saying to me it happened uh -huh. right here when I told my parents I wanted to be he an said, artist. artist die poor. Uh -huh. And I made sure I never let him see another drawing. Oh, wow. Okay. When, whenever I would hear that front door squeak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and when did you come to uh, New York? I came to the United States in 1976. All right. And then you still continued your artwork. Yes. Well, right. I, well, while I was at college, I, I, I slacked off a bit. Uh -huh. but what did you major in in college? Economics. Economics. And I, I minored in foreign languages. Okay. I had been teaching for, um, Spanish and French in wow. my country before. Okay. All right. Yeah. So who has been your biggest influence in, in, in the art world? Uh, from, from childhood, I was, I was always um, obsessed with Leonardo da Vinci. Uh-huh. But when I came to the United States... I f saw Salvador Dali's paintings. Yes. His double image paintings. Mm -hmm. But what, oh, another thing that influenced my, my style of painting, double image style, is um, the music, the Calypso songs of the Mighty Sparrow. Uh -huh. From yes. childhood, I was always mm -hmm. fascinated with how Sparrow <laughs> played with words. Okay. He would sing one line, but there was multiple meanings. Mm. And when I discovered Salvador Dali's double image paintings, somehow I tied the, in two. the um, visual pun with... Um, how do you call it? Uh, the audio or uh, um, the lyrics? Mm -hmm. The what? Double entendre of the mighty sparrow. Oh, okay. Where he would sing one line, but it had multiple meanings. All right. And Salvador Dali's <coughs> double imagery. And that I put them together. But um, as I said, I, I had been obsessed with Da Vinci. In 1980, my style changed radically. I was painting regular um, street scenes. Mm hmm. Um, landscapes like in the um, Caribbean scenes right and in 1980 I was reading a, a set of books that I had ordered from Time magazine yes when I got the one of, about Da Vinci I can remember on page 29 mm -hmm. wow I read he, he, <laughs> I'll paraphrase it for you he said the artist who wishes to enhance his faculties for creative invention can look at even a stain on the wall and see whatever he wanted to see mm -hmm. I just exploded with excitement I, I switched to the page where the Mona Lisa was because I've always been obsessed with that painting yes and I looked at it and I started seeing hidden images mm. images that I don't think many people have ever wow um, I discovered the shadow beneath her nose mimics the shape of a gondola really mm -hmm. in fact I've done about eight versions of the <coughs> Mona Lisa right um, one of which is at, at my show in in Ma um, Manhasset. Okay. And I started seeing hidden images there. Are, there's a plethora of hidden images in the in the. Have world. you ever written anything about the things? Oh you've yes, seen? I write. I write an, uh, an anecdote about each painting. Okay, and where can we find that at? I just haven't compiled them. I haven't compiled them into a book yet. 
Okay, can you we... can find them on my website. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Mm -hmm. So what is the um <clears throat> my name, David G. Wilson.com. Okay, wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah. I have um another and if you Google David G. Wilson, you you'll also find, will find it. Yeah. Great, good. The easiest way is just to Google my name, David yes. G. Wilson. All right. Because they're about twenty nine twenty five. Well, um, you know websites. I'm gonna do that as soon as this interview <laughs> is over. Yeah, about twenty five <laughs> websites. <laughs> so um I wanted to ask you about your personal style, which is the anthro anthropomorphic yes perception, uh -huh. and it says an exercise in ultra perceptive plausible juxtaposition. Yes. So what is <laughs> that? Is a mouthful. It's looking, it's looking at an image and trying to find alternative reality with it. Okay. So for example, I looked uh, for throughout the the campaign in 2008 uh -huh. I was trying to portray President Obama yes in that in that way mm -hmm. you would see the, the, his image but you see uh, um, what I call alternative realities in it and throughout that year during the campaign I just couldn't come up with it on January 20th 2009 my wife and I we stayed home to look at the proceedings uh -huh. the, the yes. inauguration and boom it hit me what was it I, it's um, Liberty jumping over a rope the eagle is flying, uh -huh. the sky is blue, Yes, and you see President Obama's face appearing. Wow. And uh, his shoulders, for his shoulders, they have mountains. So I have written an entire story about the whole thing. I love it. I love it. It's so interesting. And can we find that also on, on your on website? website yeah. Now, you said you have 20 websites. Which one should I go to first? The first one, um, from, from my main website, David G. Wilson. Okay, I've had that com. website since 99. All right. I'm so happy to, to hear that you have a web presence. Yes, I have a It's so important yeah. these days to share, especially as, as African-American or black artists, that we share our legacy in terms of the work we're doing, have done, and the history of or history in the making of what you're doing. I'll tell you something. Coming from the Caribbean, I, uh, we had the uh, British system of education. You had what? British system of education. Okay. When I got to the United States, I knew British history from 1066 mm -hmm. to present. Right. I knew nothing about African people. Yes, yes, yes. In my last semester at college. What college did you go to? I, I, I graduated from your college, City University. Okay. I walked into the library and I saw this huge book, mm -hmm. the Black Almanac. And my jaw dropped. Yeah, I said, "Oh my God, somebody ripped me off!" Isn't it? <laughs> but isn't that wonderful? That because at least you up found in the it. I, all every item you would pick up made in England. Yeah. So, so I assumed that there was nothing from, Africa. Nothing from Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the corner store in my hometown, there was a uh, photograph of Marcus Gavi. Imagine, I'm from the Caribbean. I didn't know who Marcus Gavi yeah, was, yeah. but I knew how many wives. Um, Okay, King Charles King, or whatever. Okay, uh, I knew how many wives Henry VIII had. Yes, yes, okay, yes. This is the kind of education. Right. And I just felt so ripped off. Mm -hmm. And from that time, I made up my mind. Every painting I did would have to have something to do with African African history. Yes. Uh, black history. And I don't, when I say black history, I don't mean, only mean history Africa. Right. Wherever black people live, that's, that's my right. history. Of course, of course. Okay? Excellent. Brazilian, Excellent. Um, black Brazilian history, Haitian history, Every, as long as it's, it was history for, by black people, mm -hmm. it's my history. Well, I went to Brooklyn College, which is part of CUNY as mm -hmm. well, and as, a, as an art major, 
at least I can say that is when I found out mm-hmm. about Romeo Bearden, mm-hmm. who became the person who I think I modeled a lot of my art because I really got into doing collages and things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, thank God we had some revelation mm-hmm. of our presence in the art world. Mm-hmm. You know, at least we weren't too old. But, but even if you're too old, you learn something or you know of its awareness, you know, and that I think is extremely important. Um, and that's why the presence of you on the internet, we can show our young people, our children, black artists now on the internet, even if they can't visit a museum, if they live somewhere in some little town, they can still see and feel the awareness well, of, of black art. Let me just mention, if you are in Washington, D.C., Anytime before November, mm-hmm. November 18th. Yes. One of my paintings is now at the Museum of the Bible. Okay. It's been there since last year. All right. It's nice. on loan to the Museum of the Bible. Right, right, right. Very nice. Yeah. All right. So um, thank you very much, David. So this is Alicia Sap Jimenez. Yes. yes. So if you could give us a background yeah. of, of your... Uh, entry into the art world and what you like to work with? Well, I was very fortunate. Um, my whole family really uh, are artists. So when I was growing up, I used to watch my y- older sister just draw on everything, just draw, and watch my father. He used to love doing the Brooklyn Bridge, the bridges. Right. And my Uncle Floyd used to come over, and we all used to sit down with paper on the ground. We used to just draw. And we go over there. He did a lot of murals on Nostrand Avenue. Very famous for his murals on Nostrand Avenue. Was he one of the artists that did the paintings on the gates of stores? Yes, or? the gates of stores. And uh-huh. uh, matter of fact, they and ju- this is in Bedford Stuyvesant. This is in Bedford Stuyvesant on Nostrand Avenue and on Fulton as well. Right. Did anyone take any photographs of them in your yes, family? Yes, we do. We have um, photos of it, and not only that, we have other people who have also taken photos of it and honored him. Um, Pia Raymond, who ran for one of the city uh, governments, um, actually did a thing on her, but on him. But once again, um, so I grew up with pen and paper in hand. Matter of fact, in school, that's all I can think of was just drawing, just drawing everything. So um, growing up towards that, um, we started drawing, and then I started to cultivate how do I take this idea and also become an artist? Because just like everyone at this table, I don't everyone make an assumption, parents did not want me to be. She wanted me to be a nurse. <laughs> so being a nurse did not necessarily work out for me. So I uh, went to school. I went to Harriman College for a little while. But my attention span is very short. Mm-hmm. So because of that, um, I started teaching kids. Yes. And I work with kids, teaching them how to become an individual through art and seeing world. They art through their eyes. So did um, you teach in the schools or outside of the schools in terms of children? I did both. Okay. So In New York City? In New York. I taught at uh, Kingsborough Community College. All right. Um, teens. Um, but my art was a little different. It was about self-love. So through art, we taught. I taught self-love, how to, to accept yourself through art. Right. So, I did, so it was almost therapeutic it was type very, of art. Yes, it was. And then um, I worked for 30 years at the Boys and Girls Club doing a series of different forms of art. We did gallery shows, fashion shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught them how to sew, different forms of that right. kind of thing. But 
I lost myself in the interim. Mm-hmm. So then when I just retired a couple of years ago, I decided to um, follow my Uncle Floyd. Because Uncle right. Floyd used to bring me to the Fulton Wall, like the wall, right. every year when I was the young. The Fulton Art Fair. Yeah, the Art Fair. And I used to be amazed by all these black artists. I didn't know anything about them other than he was a storyteller. Anybody that knew my Uncle Floyd knew that he was a storyteller. He mm-hmm. told uh, stories on Africa, Egypt, right. you know, all his children named after, like, have ISIS and all his children were named like that. So I was fascinated with all this stuff that he was doing, and he told the story, and then he, you would follow him around. Mm-hmm. So as I got older, I went back into my roots and decided that something was missing within me. Mm-hmm my own creation of myself. Right. So moving forward, that's how my art reflects everything that I do, and whether it's telling stories or learning more about myself. Right. So um, what medium do you like to work in? I love oil. I don't work in oil, but it's, it's uh, acrylic, um, collages, crayons. Right. Anything I can get my hands on. I, my husband calls me a pack rat. So okay, because you I, collect things <laughs> to work with. Where, where if I'm walking down the street and mm-hmm. if I see something, I'm going like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I can make something out of that. Okay. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah, and he says, you know, I really have, my, my place is so full right now. So I have this, this little pathway that I go through mm-hmm. and I'm still doing it. But that's what art's all about. Right. Well, I didn't ask David. I'm going to go back to him. Mm-hmm. But I wanted give you the question as to what was it that you brought to this exhibit uh, being shown at Restoration? Well, my um, piece was based on uh, when I was growing up in Brooklyn, I had a situation happen when I was a little girl. And I was crossing the street and we were all standing watching this young man getting beat, beaten up. And we were just standing there just watching. We were just coming from church. Mm-hmm. And we were all watching, and everyone was talking to each other and going, like, what's going on? What's going on? But no one moved forward right. to find out what was going on. That's Marvin Gaye's song right yeah. there. But See, yeah, what's, what's, going, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, when I was a little girl, exactly, was alive. So we were all watching, but no one, I'm not saying, no one stepped forward to even ask the question, what is going on across the street? So my painting, as I stated, is we are all coming from church, from different places, different cultures, different places in our lives but we we're not stepping forward to find out what's going on why things are going on so i have people literally standing on the tree which symbolizes strength and our ancestors mm-hmm. from you know an ancestors right and we stand underneath this tree and we all not moving we're holding hands we're looking but we're not moving mm-hmm. and part of our culture is Sometimes we're afraid to step forward. Complacency. Yes, and to have that voice. Mm-hmm. So when people look at my work and they look at it because it's looking back at you. Like, yes. What's going on? Exactly. Exactly. You know, what are you going to do? What's that step? But no one is stepping forward. That's right. That's right. That's what mine was about. So, David, I didn't ask you, mm-hmm. so I'd like to ask you now to give us the, a little input into what your your uh, piece was about. The piece that I have in... in um, and the show it's it's called um, Strange Fruit uh, Sharecropper's Recompense. Okay. Because as I said, I when I came to the United States, I knew nothing about African history right. or African Americans, black people, all about. 
So from the time I discovered that book, I made up my mind that everything I did had to have some aspect of. Well, Strange life. Fruit is actually Strange from Fruit. Billy Holiday's. So I was song. sitting one sun one evening and I saw this documentary mm-hmm. about Strange Fruit. Yes. The, so, the it was written as a poem by a Jewish teacher in the Bronx. Yes, it was. Abel Maropol or something like that. Maropol. And he said the first time he saw the photograph of a lynching, mm-hmm. it reminded him of the Holocaust. Yes. And then he wrote that poem. And in um, 1939, I think, um, oh, girl, oh, God, help me, help me. 1939. Yeah. Um, right. Billy Holiday, Holiday put yeah. music to it. Yes. And it was banned. And um, in, eventually it became the song of the century. Yeah. So I, when, I, when I see something like that, Right. I will. Ha- I definitely, definitely have to. Definitely had to, yeah. And every February, I get tapes. Mm-hmm. Well, no, DVDs. And everything that comes on TV, I mm-hmm. tape it. I mm-hmm. copy it. Uh, so I have a, a whole library of history. Because I, that, that was the void I was trying to fill. Yes. Knowing yes. the history. I do the same thing, but mostly with me, it's on the internet, mm-hmm. where I've compiled a mm-hmm. collection of historic references that I found online that eventually I will be able to do something with. So the, my piece has to do with uh, 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 an African-American buys, uh, owns a, a shotgun house on a hill, mm-hmm. and that is this source of anger that co- causes death. Yes. They make him dig his grave, mm-hmm. lynch him, Yes. B- and there's a sheet hanging from the tree. Right. And in that, uh, his body hanging on hanging on the tree, the the his house, his dog is there at mm-hmm, the grave, mm-hmm. and it turns into the, the image of a Ku Klux Klan man, right. indicating who was responsible. That's right. But there's uh, um, there's um, visual evidence of who was responsible, because although it's a moonlit night, you see the orange light. That's coming from somewhere else, mm-hmm. and the orange light is is evidence of the burning cross, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is what they always did. Yes, and, and just to show you how things don't change, mm-hmm. there was a news report today that a policeman, a white policeman, found a T-shirt or a fabric with eyes cut in it, similar to a KKK hood, in the locker room, and it and, and it says, you know, there's a a comment about the KKK, so that just shows and where you. was where was that at? This was in, I believe, in Hempstead, Long Island. Okay, so That's, yeah, things it's, have changed, it, but, but they are still the same. Still the same. Well, wow. w- one of the things that has uh, coming from a, a, a country where that you, we were not, I was aware of those things, but to experience it here when I came here. I remember in 1977 when the first... You have an amazing memory for days. Uh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> yes. uh, in 1977 when the first black family moved into Rosedale, Queens. Yes. It was a Jamaican family from England. Mm-hmm. The next morning there was a cross burning on their lawn. Yeah. That's I never right. forgot that. Yeah. Uh, in 1978... That was Rosedale? Rosedale. Yeah. yeah. I remember Rosedale very well back then. My wife and I went to Sixplex in, in um, Green Acres. Well, it wasn't Sixplex. It was two movies there. Mm-hmm. And I remember clearly having to run across um, Sunrise Highway. When my, my wife took off. There was a, a group of white kids in a, a convertible. Mm-hmm. Niggas mm-hmm. get out of, of Rosedale. Well, the same thing happened to me when I was in Rosedale. I was a mm-hmm. pharmaceutical sales rep, mm-hmm. and I was paying a call to a pharmacy. And the same thing was yelled out to me. Mm-hmm. 
while I was on that street, you know, trying to make a call. I'll never forget it, and I told my manager that um, I would never be back to Rosedale, so Mm -hmm. if they needed medication from that particular company, oh well. All right. So I mean, you know the, the traffic mm-hmm. on on Sunrise Highway, mm-hmm. having to run That's across right. Sunrise That's Highway yeah. with my, yeah. my well, she was my girlfriend then. Mm-hmm. With her, uh, in tow. Well, we heard that before that too, in reference to Cross Island mm-hmm. uh, Parkway. That's what happened with uh, some young. Oh, that was no, that was Bell Parkway. Bell Parkway. Yeah. Then well, that's where the cross, not the cross island, but no, just right in the, the South Conduit You're is talking here about too. Howard Beach. The, yes, the yes, Beach yes, 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 yes. And yes. the guy got away with it saying yes, he thought he, yes. he had hit a tire. But that reminds me. You hit me. a human being and you think yeah, it's a tire? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I never, these things I never, I, yeah. I, I, even dates, I rem, the dates I remember. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, um, what's his name? He went to buy a car in Bensonhurst. Right, that one I don't uh, remember. Yusuf Hawkins? Oh, oh yes, of course, as soon as you said the name. As soon as you said the name, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the same time when um, Reverend Al went to Bensoners to right. protest and somebody stabbed him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. So, those things are etched in my I, mind because well, I, I never We see those. that. I know who to go to when <laughs> I need a date. <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, uh, do you have a piece in the show? And if so, could you please let us know the title and what's the involvement with yes, the I, theme? Yes, I, ha- I have a piece in, in the show, and it's called Say Their Names. Um, it, it depicts the, the four little girls who were killed in, 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 in Birmingham, Alabama. And, and I decided, you know, Originally, I made the piece just about those four little girls, and yes. it's called "Say Their Names" so that people can actually read their names, which are in the piece, mm-hmm. and so that their energy and their spirit will be kept with us, alive, and kept alive, and we, and that energy of the thought process will be there. Then I decided to incorporate. Mm-hmm the names and the images of the nine people who were killed in in South Carolina two years ago. So we have the history. And who are their names? What are their names for those who may not know? (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. My memory is not as good as David. So if you want to know their names, please go to Restoration and see the piece and and say their names. That's right. I like that. So I decided to that it's important for us to remember so this is a piece that when people see it they read the title say their names and hopefully they expend the energy in in saying their names and mm-hmm. keeping those individuals memories and yes in mind alive, absolutely in mind. Yes. so while we're at it since we're talking about coming out and seeing the show um the show um is going to be at Restoration, whose address is 1368 Fulton Street, and that is in Brooklyn. Um, and it's and it's going to be there until what date? Um, it's quite possible it's going to be extended through September 7th. All right. And, and the show is based on the ground floor. It's in the lobby of, of Restoration Plaza, in the main lobby. Right, and Restoration is open from 9 until maybe 10 in the evening. So it will be very easy for people to gain entrance to go and see this particular show, which is I think is very important that we give the um, attention to in terms of a visit. 
um, and the support of, of these artists. Um, so we also have with us Gloria Braxton, who um, is, I know, a watercolorist. <laughs> oh, yes. So <laughs> um, Gloria, please give us your background and um, who may have been your biggest influence in art so far. And then you can tell us about the work. Okay, so I um, I grew up and my family was more so poets. They wrote a lot. Like my mom, I remember her distinctly always having a pen and a pad, a pen and a pad. And then my aunt, I remember that um, she was in a book. And I'm like, you're in this book. I picked up a book and she was like, yeah, my poem is in there. And I was shocked. Mm-hmm. And then she went to the room and came back and it was about five more books and she had two poems in one and I was so just inspired by her and what she was doing but I hadn't connected to art art hadn't hit me at all I I was in ballet and dance so art had never been a thing for me and then I got older and I lost someone close to me and I wanted to recreate their image but I didn't know how and I ended up studying and studying and studying and trying to configure the face and the body and the skin. And I loved the people of color. I loved how it resonated mm-hmm. with the paints and the crayons and the color pencils. And I remember um, when I was reading one of the books and it said that basically people of color was harder to do. Well, what kind of books were you reading? I was reading like a realistic watercolor, but then we weren't reflected uh-huh. in it at all. It'll be a lot of landscapes and then there'll be one person of color, but they're on the beach and they're uh, blurred out. And it took some time to really get into, I um, bought a book by Walter O. Evans about the uh, African-American collection of art that he collected from when he was in college Mm -hmm. and how a friend of his said, there's this artist, this Jamaican artist selling a painting. I think you should go take a look at it. And he was like, I don't know about it. He was in med school and he ended up buying a Jacob Lawrence on accident. Wow. (laughs) And that actually began his collection of art. So, for me, I picked up his book. I hadn't even been looking at African American art that much, but that was amazing. I was How old were you when this happened? I was 24. All right. And, and before that, did you have any did you have any um art lessons like in school or um access to black art history? Never. Never. No. It wasn't something that was open to me at all. We had paintings in my home, which became my inspiration to bring paintings in other African-American homes. Mm-hmm. Because all we had, we had a painting of Martin Luther King. Of course. We Wait, had, was it with uh, John F. Kennedy yeah, yeah. and Robert Kennedy? No. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it was actually Martin Luther King and, and Suede. Remember the Suede? But yes. they were done mostly by people in prison, actually. Yeah, That's but go very ahead. interesting. Yeah, or Velvet. Yes, uh-huh. and we had a Nefertiti, and the Nefertiti, one day, I always have stories like David, but one day my grandmother came home with my cousin, and my cousin said, you know, Grandma Sissy found a, a painting that looks just like me. Yeah. And it was a Nefertiti piece, uh-huh. and I was amazed. 
and it hung up in the house. And I'm like, we have art. Like, yeah. We're rich. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Moved on up. <laughs> I was so excited by it. And what's and what um what's funny is that after I started to draw and paint. And I started to get so much joy from painting us. In all what did, what did you start painting with? What medium? Watercolor. Oh, you started with watercolor. I started with watercolor. I didn't know watercolor was difficult. <laughs> I mean, I really did not yeah. know. I was going, I'm like, okay, so which, which is more economical for me? And, right. it, and um, the books would say watercolor was the cheapest. Yes. But they would never say it was the hardest. So I learned from the hardest medium but to me it was just a medium and i was it is, loving it very difficult and to the work flow with. of water is something that's very powerful because water carries energy so for me to create these images, it was like forever placing my energy into something yeah and then um it's it's really crazy for me that i started to do this and then people would ask me hey can you paint my grandmother Right. My mom, mm-hmm. my husband, and next thing you know, I went from not knowing how to draw to all of a sudden I had done a hundred paintings. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have another question mm-hmm. in reference to the way you work. Do you draw your subject first, or do you just paint? Oh, I would love to just paint. I'm, I want to get to the, the the talent in this room <laughs> to the point where I'm sure you guys are just throwing the paint on there. Um, I do a light, a light sketch. Okay. As light as possible mm-hmm. because the joy for me is painting. Yes. I need to see the colors, even if it's a, a black and white piece. I just want to see it come come about. That's the reward for me. Mm-hmm. So the, the pencil is just the way to get there. Okay. So what piece do you have in the show and... What is your reference to um, the past and the present? Okay, in the show, I have a painting that's called 1963 Freedom Day Participants or 2018 Black Lives Matter Activists. It I was, like that. Thank you. It was very important for me to name it that because this could be any time. This could have been 1963 when my mom was born, or this can be now, and it depicts two men of color, and they're literally the only things of color in the piece that are being beaten, and there's nothing but uh, police and FBI and state troopers that are around them. And the concept comes from, in uh, Freedom Day was advertised as an opportunity for black people to go out there and vote. And they did it on through the radio. They did it on television. They made mm-hmm. them feel real comfortable. And they came out there in numbers mm-hmm. to vote. But when they came out there, they were met with resistance. Yes. Nothing but um, loads of police in force. Yeah. And they um, they were beaten. Mm-hmm. And they allowed them to stand on the line. But if they got off the line, you couldn't get back on. If you got thirsty and went and got water, you couldn't get back on. And so, you know us, we're resourceful. Yes. So we started bringing each other water and food and things. And once they seen that, that's when they started beating Mm -hmm. us. And um, I read something where they said that they don't remember one person voting of color that day. Yeah. Because of what they did. Well, you know what? With that in mind, I'd like to add my two cents right now. Because what you have just said is just so important for 2018 and the election that's coming up in November Hmm. in terms of the midterm elections. Don't let what our people had to go through back then have anything, should have something more to do with us getting out there today to vote. 
because of what they had to go through just to allow themselves to be able to vote, something that they should have been allowed to do with, you know, nothing, nothing happening to them on their way to the voting Mm -hmm. poll or at the voting poll. So please, 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 people, take that and run, run to your voting poll in November because that's how important it is. It's our lives that are at stake as quiet as it's kept right now. That's true. I just wanted to mention something. As a watercolorist, I want to recommend two people I want you to look at. They are at the top of their game. They're both African-American. Mario Robinson and Dean Mitchell. Dean Mitchell is one of the best. Okay. They're both watercolorists. All right. Take a look at them. Yes, yes. And and, and just to make a point how things (coughs) haven't changed, this whole idea of, of voter registration and having IDs and making it difficult for people to vote is continued today. That's right. So today I was Things haven't to, changed. Yesterday I was listening to um, something about Georgia. That's it's, right. It, it's a black community where they're closing two-thirds of the polling mm-hmm. stations. So it's important for you to make sure you know where to go and make sure what you're voting for. Absolutely. And let nothing stand in your way to getting to the polls this election season. Okay, now we have Valerie Williams. Hi, Valerie. Hi. Okay, so Valerie, let us know what your background is in reference to art and um, how does your work comment on the current social and political issues as it also stands from what had happened to us as a people back in the day. Okay. Um, my background is kind of mixed. <clears throat> Excuse me. My father's an artist, and his brother's an artist. One did oils, the other one did watercolors. So that's the background you know, I grew up with. And it was discovered early that I had talent, but my father decided for whatever reasons that he was not going to encourage me. My mother's sisters, on the other hand, felt that I had talent and they bought me um, paintbrushes and professional pads and a lot of paint. Okay. And this was all in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And so I painted and decided I was gonna be an artist. Until I was in high school and my parents said no. You are not going to be majoring in art in school. You're going to be a doctor because you're good in science, you're good in math, mm-hmm. and you're good in English. And so I was pre-med and decided I did, was not dealing with sick people. That All was right. not going to work for me, so I rebelled and went into research. Uh-huh. And the good thing with that is I was working in pathology, and while I was working in pathology, my the work I had to do was photographing different specimens. Mm-hmm. And I was photographing them with an electron microscope. Yes. And because I had to photograph them, I had to develop film. Mm-hmm. I had to print the film. You're going to do art anyway. That's right. I printed <laughs> film. And then I had to print the pictures. I had to dry them. So I was back in photography because Good. I was taking pictures when I was younger mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. 
And the person who I worked with made the mistake of telling me that I could use the microscope for whatever I wanted to on my own time. Yes. So I use a microscope that costs a couple of hundred thousand dollars in my spare time, and I put anything mm. that would fit in the microscope, <laughs> literally, <laughs> from bugs to flowers to wow. feathers to whatever stood still long enough, yes. ended up in the microscope. Mm-hmm. And he said I could use it however I want. He didn't say I couldn't use the film. Yes. So I used boxes of film because the film was um, like three and a quarter right. by four inch mm-hmm. film. Just sheets well, of what, film. what did you print it on? Did you print that? On their paper. It was it photographic paper? Photographic paper. <laughs> okay. Sure. I used, he said I could use <laughs> during, you know, Absolutely. Uh, off hours. So I right. took him at his word. Yeah. And so I had all these photographs. Um, I had film, you know, sheets of film. And one of my um, friends was having a show, and he invited me to join him. So I, you know, had the pictures uh, framed, and I was all set, and then he canceled on me. Mm. And I said, fine. And then, you know, I was walking around my own building and found out that there was going to be an art show there. Yes. And I, after yelling at the person in charge, because mm-hmm. he was a friend, he told me that I could hang three pictures. Yes. So I took three pictures, I hung them, sold two of them, and the rest is history. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Nobody could stop you. No. Right. Exactly. No, because people told me that. See, you, at least you, mm-hmm. at least you had the microscope to, to do your own decision and choosing of what you wanted to see, photographed. Me as a collagist, as a young collagist, mm-hmm. I would go to National Geographic and cut out the enlargements of various organic materials and use them in my collages, you know, for whatever purpose. Like when you look at a cloud or something, you might see a picture. That sometimes happens when you look at organic material. Mm -hmm. You see something within the image itself. So now, Valerie, tell us, how did you bring this or what, what art did you bring to this particular showcase exhibit yeah this was such a big a big responsibility um larry told me what the theme was and i sat and thought about it and since i've lived through a lot of these turbulent times because Mm -hmm. i can remember going to um get the sunday paper as a child and looking through life magazine and seeing the strange fruit hanging from the trees. Now, mm-hmm. a child should not have to see a tree with people hanging from it. No. And I can still see that image to this day. So when he said that, that's one of the first things that came to mind. I have to have trees. Mm-hmm. And I have to have something hanging from the trees. Right. But I couldn't have bodies hanging from the trees. So I said, I have to find a way around that. So since this was supposed to be from then to now, mm-hmm. I said, I'll have two trees, a tree in the past and a tree now, you know, current. Yes. And I would have events that happened on the first tree and how things are similar on the second tree. Right. And then I would fill in the spaces in between um, the civil rights marches, the marches that we had for um, Black Lives Matter, 
um, some of our famous people in the past, some of our famous people in, you know, going mm-hmm. on now. Yes. All the different names we will call, the mm-hmm. names we are called now. Right. So I try to have as much happening from then and now. And one of the problems is I started off with this at, you know, um, my images at one size and realized the paper wasn't big enough. So I had it made a <laughs> larger paper. I hear you. And yeah. I said, no, it's still not large enough. Went to a larger. Poor Larry had to listen to me saying, <laughs> it's not large enough. I don't have enough time. <laughs> I've got to get more images. This yeah. is not large enough. And so technically it's not finished because friends kept bringing up more names of people. I ran out of space on my trees hanging, mm-hmm. you know, hanging names mm-hmm. for the people who were killed by the mm. police. Yes. And it broke my heart because other names kept coming up. Like, I miss Eleanor Bumpers. I miss exactly. all these other people. And I said, oh, my goodness. I, so I will have to redo this and make it maybe, like, two by three feet. Yes. Maybe a whole wall. Right, right, right. And absolutely I, then right. I still won't be finished. Well, I did a documentary when I first started here at Brick. The very first one I did was sort of around a little bit after the time of I Can't Breathe. Mm -hmm. And I did, at the end of the documentary, a rolling list of all the people that were killed, murdered by police in this country. And it rolled and rolled and rolled, which I found to be very, very dramatic. Yeah. Very dramatic. Yeah. So, so um, thank you. Thank you all for telling us about the work that you've done in this show, which I find, like I said, to be very, very important and poignant um, at this time in our lives. So um, who would like to give us a... Um, the address, again, of uh, restoration and where people can see the show, and if they can find out about if it is going to be um, um, a little longer length for the show and if there's going to be any other event around the show, where they can find this information. Well, you certainly can find the information. We'll be updating the Fulton Art Fair website and the... um, Website address is FultonArtFair.net. Again, that's FultonArtFair.net. So you can keep an eye on that. There's a video of the show on the website. If you look at the events, you will also see listings of other events and photographs from uh, on the fence. Uh, and the important thing that that we, I want to stress is that our our concept for the year is continuing the legacy. And we feel, Fulton Art Field feels it's important for us to maintain the the legacy of our ancestors. And so um, this show, again, it's about our history and and putting our history uh, out there. The show hopefully is going to be continued through maybe the second week of September. But again, you keep an eye on the FultonArtFair.net website. And it's... Again, at uh, Restoration Plaza in the main lobby, which is a great space. You don't have to go upstairs to the gallery, so it's getting plenty of uh, exposure. And, and you just look around and you'll see many talented artists and, and, um, and, and different themes of art. So. And the address for the art um, restoration is? 
1368 Fulton Street. Okay, thank so you. So it's just a couple of blocks down from Nostrand Avenue. Train station. On, on the, uh, yes, on the uh, ARC line. Okay, thank you very much. And how many artists are represented in the show totally, do you know? 19, I think there's 19 artists. All right, great. So please go out and, and support our fellow artists, um, all from Brooklyn. That's right. All from Brooklyn. Okay. So, <laughs> Brooklyn. so I want to thank the artists that were here today. Once again, Valerie, David, Alethea, Larry, and Gloria. Yay. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Creative Force Podcast with your host, Beryl. If you liked what you heard, Come back and let others know about Creative Force. Until next time, be well, be creative, and enjoy living. You can find us at Brooklyn Free Speech Radio under soundcloud.com slash BK. You can look for us under the hashtag arts and culture and also Creative Force. Thank you.